This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Shadow of Steve Jobs still looms large over Silicon Valley. As we approach the 10-year anniversary of his death, Let's take a look at the legacy he's left behind. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to dive into all of this is CNET's Apple reporter, Ian Scher. Welcome, Ian. How you doing? So you've covered Apple for two long stretches, including when Steve Jobs was CEO. So to set the basis for our conversation, because it's been a while, obviously, um, can you talk a little bit about what made Jobs so special? You know, I think what really was fascinating about Steve Jobs, and I, I went through a lot of that thought process for the story because, you know, naturally you don't think a lot about him nowadays, right? I mean, Apple is is the company that it is. And while he comes up every once in a while, you know, you don't spend a lot of time just ruminating on his uh, on who he was and what his legacy is. And so I really thought about it and, and a couple of things came to mind, right? One is that he's an amazing storyteller. I watched a, a bunch of old videos of him. And, you know, in particular, when I think about people who try to explain technology to people and, and especially think back to the 70s and 80s, right, where computers are associated with people with thick eyeglasses and pocket calculators, you know, <laughs> he is the one who's kind of explaining it as this amazing tool for innovation. Uh, you know, he describes it as a bicycle for the mind. And mm. it's just incredible to see him describe even the idea of what the internet was going to become before, you know, AOL and all these things were big, like talking about taking the entire Library of Congress and putting it at your fingertips, which is like an incredible way to think about it. Today, that sounds normal, but you think back to that time period and it, it's incredible how he was able to connect with people and emotionally explain how important these devices were. Yeah, I think that's a great point you bring up, the, the emotional connection. I think he was one of the first, you know, not, he was the first to avoid talking about feeds and speeds and specs and all those other things and really create that emotional connection between the product, the device, the technology, and you. Um, you know, one of those other things that, uh, one of the other terms that's thrown around a lot with Steve Jobs is that idea of a reality distortion field. Yeah. You know, that, that talent for storytelling, you know, basically turn on its head. What was that for, for our listeners who don't understand what that reference is? Yeah, it, the the cynical view of what it is, right, which is when it was typically brought up, is the, you know, this comes back from the old Apple was a cult type of days where the sense that, you know, Apple could release anything, they could release a rock. And <laughs> because of who Steve Jobs is and his incredible speaking style and uh, Apple's amazing marketing, it's able to convince you to pay untold amounts of money to pay for it. Right. It, you walk into the building thinking, oh, this is dumb. And you walk out being like, take my money, take it now. And, <laughs> and that's that's kind of what the reality distortion field was. Now, I, I've tried to spend a lot of time 
thinking about that for the story we published on CNET about him. And, you know, the thing that kind of landed on when I was trying to talk to people about, you know, magnetic personalities and what is it that gets you to follow someone was that a lot of people said that when when you're when you're dealing with someone who has such a kind of gravity to them, right? And they are they are really just an amazing personality to hear from, to be around. It kind of warps your view of who they are and the world around them. And that doesn't mean it's a it's it's necessarily sinister, right? But it, it it's kind of makes it it helps to explain how Steve Jobs was able to really change our perspective on things in a lot of ways really, really well because he just had that ability to really connect with people so, so well. To that point, you had a chance to cover him in person at events, interview. What was that like? You know, I think every time he came on stage, it felt like there was another energy in the room. And maybe that's because of who he is to the tech industry, right? And and how important he's been, very much like Bill Gates type people as well. I, I think that it, it's that moment where you can kind of feel like a lot of the attention of the world is, is suddenly centered in one spot. And I've only felt that feeling in a couple of times, right? It's happened around when I've been near a president of the United States. It's happened when I've gone to like very important religious sites. It's just that you can feel the weight of what's going on around you. And whenever he was in the room, that that kind of felt like that was happening. The other thing that always kind of struck me was that he was always, you know, you watch him in videos and the videos aren't edited, right? So you know who he is, but it it's really incredible how just comfortable he is in front of everybody. I have watched so many people from Silicon Valley speak and a lot of them are stuttering, they are nervous, right? Maybe they've gotten used to it, but they're still not, they're, they're not sure of themselves. And Steve Jobs lived on that stage. And so that was something, even when he wasn't on stage, right? He was just mingling with people. You could still see it was so at his element, just being with people. So that always struck me about him. Tomorrow, it'll be 10 years to the day that he died. Do you remember what it was like covering his death? I think it was it was very interesting because I had just gotten married and uh, literally the announcement came around uh, as we were uh, taxiing uh, at SFO on the tarmac. And <laughs> I, I was mm. I a lot of us kind of expected it. Right. We all knew he was sick. He had handed over right. the reins to Tim Cook. Uh, but even, you know, I remember hearing from one colleague who had just packed up for the day and was ready to go the announcement went along uh, through the wire services just as she was shutting down her computer and she says that she screamed right because i think everyone was just it was a shock even at that moment that this has happened right and we have we've entered a period where you know this 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 luminary of the tech industry has passed and there was the amount of attention that it got did shock me like the the we talk about you know the, the weight of the world and the attention of the world uh, on, a, on a single person it, the amount of 
kind of conversation around who he was just it went on and on and it got so big and i remember that even during his memorial service right if you remember um apple held a memorial service for its employees it actually shut down its stores during that time uh, put up white curtains yep. and a sign yep. And they did a live feed. They had Coldplay playing at Apple headquarters and, you know, eulogizing him. And I remember there were helicopters from news organizations, like literally outside of Apple headquarters looking in. And I'm just like, my God, this is the amount of tension that this is getting. And so I think that to me, what I'll always remember is just how much people wanted to talk about it at that moment. Like I, I, you hear about a lot right. of people when when Michael Jackson died, you know, there were there was there was this outpouring of grief. His songs, you know, shot to the top of iTunes, all that type of stuff. And I, I feel like Steve Jobs was very much in that same kind of feeling where, you know, it's just suddenly the shock that this has happened, this just want a conversation about, you know, who he was, what he meant, what is going to happen now. All of these things were going on. It was it was incredible to to kind of live through. Yeah, I, I do remember, you know, sort of walking past the stores and seeing as they were closed and seeing sort of the makeshift um, memorials, right? Flowers and, and things. Sticky uh, notes. The, I mean, the, that was yep, the other thing. Yep. People just like put so many flowers and sticky notes and mm-hmm. even like mm-hmm. some we have a picture in the story of someone who had who had written something on their iphone and like left it in front of the store i mean it was just right. it, it, there was so many people felt connected to him even though he was really just you know an executive in charge of a company but he he meant so much to so many people right well let's talk about today let's let's fast forward a bit because all these years later silicon valley is still looking for that you know, for the next Steve Jobs, right? That superstar CEO. And, and really that's the core premise of your story because that, that isn't necessarily a good thing. Like, talk a bit about that. Yeah, I think what was one of the kind of tough things to really think about was that I, I don't hear people walking around saying, oh, I'm going to try to find the next Steve Jobs. Oh, this guy's the next Steve Jobs. Like, that's not really what happens with the exception of one person, Elizabeth Holmes, who was the CEO of Theranos, right? She started the company at 19 years old. She walked around in a black turtleneck, right? And she she literally courted this feeling that she was the next Steve Jobs. But other than that, it wasn't that people were really looking for him. What kind of what kind of really struck me in talking to people about, you know, I, I have friends throughout the Valley and I uh, sometimes ask them, especially people who work for places like Facebook or Uber and that are in a lot of controversy. Right. And I say, why, why do you stick around? And what they kind of land on is this feeling that they're on a rocket ship. Right. And any rocket ship ride is bumpy. And so what they start to feel like is, look, it's known in the valley that you're going to work for sometimes a brilliant jerk, right? But just because he's a jerk doesn't mean he isn't brilliant and doesn't mean that this company can't become something that changes the world. And I think that a lot of people have kind of sat there and, and Steve Jobs has, has kind of this this weird twisted version of his legacy is that being the brash jerkish behavior is okay because it's going to change the world. And 
the reality is that it's led to, in some cases, allowing some truly terrible behavior at Uber, at, at, at you know, at, at WeWork, obviously Theranos. And look, Steve Jobs isn't responsible for any of this. But I think that it's kind of what he's represented to people has, has ingrained in their heads this weird thing that makes it okay for jerks to be in charge. And I, I don't really understand it because even Steve Jobs, like, you know, he was ultra secretive, sure. But it was for the the secrets were about the drama of the reveal. They weren't about covering up wrongdoing. Right. And when he was every instance that I've heard, there are a couple where he's like vindictive. Absolutely. But generally speaking, every time he's been rude to someone in all of the stories, and I poured through a lot of them over the last week to remind myself, was every time in a lot of ways, you can see him as kind of being ultra truthful, right? He's not being kind, but he's not exactly being mean. And what's weird is that the stories you hear of some of the executives today, they are just being jerks. And I think that that's, that's interesting that people have kind of taken this personality that changed the world and they've said, oh, I'm going to allow lesser versions of that to ruin my life uh, if I work for them or ruin my friends' lives if they work for them. And it's just very weird to kind of walk through, which is why I was trying to kind of walk through that in the story is really to understand why do people allow this? Yeah, it's like they, they sort of they took the wrong message from they, they took the element of like, OK, it's OK to be a jerk aspect of it. And they just. They, they glommed onto that aspect. And I think that you're right. It's given, it's given freedom to a lot of CEOs to behave badly, right? Yeah. And, and the, I think it's important to keep in mind, like, I don't think anyone's sitting there saying, I'm the next Steve Jobs, let me be a jerk. I, I right. think it's, it's one of those weird things that's in the back of our heads that we don't really say out loud. And it's it's very similar to, you know, I when I worked in the news industry to begin with, Every time I ran across a mean editor, I was like, oh, Lou Grant from Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, right. Yeah. Like it's just it, for some reason, these personalities stick in your head and that doesn't make it OK. But it's it's part of how you think. And I think that's part of what I wanted to kind of hit upon in the story is that for some reason, the tech industry has landed on that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a great point to bring up, because when Steve Jobs was, you know, was around, um, we had a much different view of tech, right? Tech could do no wrong. We're definitely in a different era now, right? We're a lot more critical of the power they hold. So I'm curious if that has changed or has altered the tolerance for these kinds of, you know, brash, blunt, and even at times abusive leaders. Yeah, I, I think that what it's done is that a lot of this stuff was probably coming to a head, right? And, um, you know, it's not like what happened at Uber was, you know, Uber was the only place this place stuff happens or even that bad behavior only exists in tech. It's that we've we've hit a point in our culture where we're, we're kind of done with that behavior and uh, and the memo is starting to get out. Right. Yep. And I think that that is what is leading to all of this. And maybe if Jobs had lived, there would have been more pushback on his personality. I mean, you think of 
how Apple is today struggling with uh, internally Slack, uh, the communications platform for businesses, has has caused a huge amount of disruption inside of Apple because suddenly a lot of people are, are sharing stories of bad behavior and all that. But what's really key is that they're saying that that secretive bit, uh, kind of attitude within Apple has allowed wrongdoing to exist by some people. And so now they're trying to break through that. And, you know, I have to imagine that there's a lot of kind of debate that's probably happening inside of Apple about, well, you know, this is the way we've done things for so long. Yeah, there are some bad apples, but we're going to take care of them. And that's that I think that that is something that's the modern problem. And I I don't know, it's going to be very interesting to watch how Silicon Valley changes. You know, I I spoke with, um, for example, someone at Wharton at UPenn talking about how uh, a lot of these entrepreneurship majors, right, and these MBAs and all this stuff, uh, they're trying to change the conversation to actually talk about ethics and talk about bad behavior because they realize that even within their 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 student groups they're trying to try kind of realize oh some of this stuff is ingrained when they're students so maybe we can solve some of these problems and not get the next travis kalanick at uber right or the next uh, newman over at at we work so I, I, it's really interesting, but in a lot of ways, I'm I'm thankful that this conversation is happening because it's very clear from the number of people who've been hurt by a lot of this bad behavior that it needed to happen for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Ian, for your time. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Send for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.